Good morning. Did you guys open in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 5? The notes in your bulletin say Kevin Bosler and something in Matthew. That's not what's going on this morning. Uh, so don't be confused. It's Brandon Kirby, Psalm 5, the B team on the holiday weekend. But here you all are. We appreciate you being here this morning. And uh, I'm the youth pastor. I've uh, been here for many years now. And it's a privilege um, to have been here for so many years and, and a pleasure. So we're going to be in Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, and I'd ask that you stand as I read, as I read God's word. Psalm chapter 5 goes like this, the word of the living God. To the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, and you hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God, and let them fall by their own counsels. Because the abundance of their transgressions cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice, and let them ever sing for joy, and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. You bow your heads, we'll pray for this time. God, as we come to your word, uh, Lord, I am nothing special, and we are nothing special. Thank you for being gracious to us. We ask that you would Again, Lord, uh, reveal yourself in your word. Teach us. Uh, mold us, God, into the image of your Son. Uh, thank you that you love us, that you have revealed yourself in the Bible, that we can study it knowing that it's truth from you. I would love you, God. Um, be with this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. How many of you all remember when you took your driver's test? And you took your driver's test. It's a pretty memorable experience. Some of the high schoolers are like, oh, man, I haven't done that yet. Back in my day, we would, like, we would scheme because there were, there were test givers, okay? And we knew who they were. This is at the high school. I mean, there's 100, 200, 300 people taking the test every year. And they would say, go to Ridgecrest on Tuesday because that lady, she's nice and it's easy. Right? And then they'd go, oh man, I went to Arvin on Saturday and that guy yelled at me. Okay? Uh, some people were more favorable than others. And we went to the ones that were favorable. Uh, we, you didn't, we didn't say, hey, let's go to the one that's going to be mean. I mean, some of you might do that kind of thing. That's weird. Um, and so this psalm is primarily, I think, about the Lord's favor. Uh, about the Lord's favor on his people. And we want to be careful, because obviously the DMV test giver is a, is a pretty, uh, what to say, sad example, right? Um, but we're, we're talking about the Lord's favor, and I want to give you a quick definition of the Lord's favor before we 
uh, move into the passage. So just keep this in mind. A working definition of God's favor. Uh, his favor is his willingness to act for our good. Right? His willingness to act for our good because of who he is. Okay? His willingness to act for our good because of who he is and what he's done. Okay? So look down with me at verse 1. We're going to talk about uh, God's favor. It says this, uh, Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Uh, I'm going to have points this morning. We've got five, five points about the Lord's favor. The first is God's favor expected. God's favor expected. So if you're a note taker, that's point number one. I encourage you to take notes. I think it helps us remember Look at the progression of words here, right? In verse 1, he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. It's pretty normal. Then consider my groaning. Consider my groaning. Oh, that's not exactly words, right? And then he says, Give attention to the sound of my cry. So there's a progression from regular words to maybe even things that words can't express, groanings, all the way to crying out, crying out. Uh, this is a, I found a sweet quote that said, uh, so he says, give ear to my words. And he said, when the Lord gives us a mouth to speak to him, there is hope that he will grant us his ear. Right? When the Lord gives us a mouth to speak to him, he's ready to hear. And it's simply the fact that we make our request. Right? He loves it. This is who he is. He loves that we would make a request to him. You guys get that? That's beautiful. Uh, we're not that way usually. <laughs> Right? When someone adds to your to-do list, how do you, how do you take that? Right? When, when your boss sends you the 50th email of the day, right? when my boss doesn't send emails, some of you guys know that. <laughs> Kevin's not really good at that. Um, we, God loves to hear us. And the sound of my cry, uh, this, is, this is the most, this is the deepest one. This is like crying out. There's something special, you know, about a baby's cry. Uh, baby cries, and what, everybody who's a parent, what do you do? At least in your heart, you're like, what? What's going on? Especially if the baby's really wailing, like that hurt cry. Everybody in here, if there's a, if I, if I, if I, if I had set this up, right, this would be cruel. But if I had set this up, my son's got the croup, so he's not here today. But if he had been in the back, and I told my wife, just pinch him, right as I'm saying this point, right, that'd be mean. But it would have made the point, because he would have screamed, and everybody would have looked back. All right, and there's this thought where the Lord loves to hear us, and there's an expectation that he'll respond. There's also this thing, have you ever made your mom cry? Teenagers, right? Have you ever made your mom cry? Adults, <laughs> right? Uh, there's this thing where you're like, oh, 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 like, the, uh, I'm respond. Um, there's this feeling of response, and so here's the Lord hearing our cry. And so what is David, what point is he making here? Um, it's different if, you, if it's someone else's mom crying, and it's different if it's someone else's baby crying, okay, in a sense. But look what he says. Give attention, verse 2, give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God, for to you do I pray. This is David looking at God saying, you're my God. Right, some of you look, <laughs> you look your kids look at you and go, you're stuck with me. Right? You're stuck with me. You did this. Right? I don't think they actually say that. Maybe you think that in your head. Okay? You can, it, it, they're your children. They're your children. Uh, it's your mom. If you make her cry, it's on you, not on me. And so David looks at God and says, God, you're my God. You're my God. 
I'm crying out to you. And so I think the thing that he's thinking here is that he's expecting that God would listen. And not only that, but he's expecting that God is, that God is favorable towards him. He says, God, you're my God. And I'm crying out to you. What, what do you think is amazing about this word, my king? Why is this incredible? Who wrote this psalm? Look up at the top, the little tiny word. They're actually in the Bible, right? A psalm of who? David. What is David when he writes this psalm? King. What a humble thing, right? To pray and go, for the king to pray and go, you're my king. You're my king. This is a, this is a little bit of an aside. You guys get that some, some people, maybe even in this room, uh, they don't want to call God their king. And yet they're not even really a king. They're not they're like they're nothing special, nothing important. And here it is. The person who was actually the king of a bigger area that we will ever be king over. More money, more everything. And he looks to the God of the universe and says, you're the king here. And I'm calling out to you. David of all people, right? He could have looked to his own resources. He could have said, I got an army. I'll just, I'll just take care of these guys. I've got, I've, got, I've got money, I'll pay him off. I've got I, I, whatever, I, I got a vacation home, I'll go take a vacation. I got whatever he could have done, he could have done. And yet he looks at God and says, God, I expect favor from you. You're my king, you're my God. And basically my God, right? He says, I'm not praying to Molech, I'm not praying to Baal, I'm not praying to a Hindu God, I'm not praying to Allah, I'm not praying to some God that's not really a God. You'll get that? He looks and he says, God, I'm praying to you praying to you and I expect that you would answer you get this his request is centered on the fact that this is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that this is the creator God that this is, this is the God of the covenant and he looks and you guys know we have a greater covenant with God now right through the blood of Jesus Christ and so we can expect favor and David prays boldly and he looks at God and says God you're my God I'm not praying to somebody else I'm not praying to somebody else. Yeah, I think uh, just, just back in Matthew, you guys remember Matthew chapter 6? We've been studying Matthew for a long time. This was years ago. But in Matthew chapter 6, it says that the Pharisees like to pray to be heard by who? Man. Right? It says they go into the streets and they make their prayers loud and long. And he says they love to be heard by man. And Jesus says this weird thing where he says, I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. What does he mean by that? He says, if you pray in front of men for the pleasure of men to get their approval, guess what you're going to get? You might get your reward in full. Men might approve of you. But he says, but you, when you pray, go into your room in secret and pray to the God who sees what's done in secret, and he will reward you. And so who do we make our prayers out to matters, right? And he says, if you, if you go in secret and you make your prayer out to the God who sees in secret, the real God, he says, God will reward you, right? There's an expectation there, even a promise from Jesus that the Lord would hear the prayers of his people when they're directed to him, right? Not if they're directed to impress, not if they're directed uh, just to sound spiritual, but if they're directed to him. Look at verse 3. In the morning, in the morning, 
O Lord, you hear my voice, and in the morning I will prepare a sacrifice for you. Many people have preached on this verse talking about morning devotionals. Do you do your morning devotionals? Uh, I don't think that's what this verse is talking about. Uh, I think it's important to spend time with the Lord, to read his word. We have the great privilege. I don't know if you all know this. Not every generation has had the privilege to own a Bible okay, and have it in a language they can actually read. And so it's a great privilege, and I do think we should spend time with God and pray to him and all these things. But what David is saying here is expecting. He says, God, God, I'm going to pray in the morning, and I'm expecting you to do something, right? Look down. Because he says at the end, I will prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. By the way, that word, I will prepare a sacrifice, some of you have a radically different thing in your version, right? You says, my version doesn't say nothing about a sacrifice, right? Some of you, it says, I will direct my prayer, or I will arrange my case. And the deal is there, the Hebrew word just says, I will arrange before you. Okay, so we go, well, what are you going to arrange, David? We don't, we don't know. Uh, so you to say, maybe he was making a sacrifice. Maybe he's talking about his prayer. Maybe he's arranging a case before God. I don't think it's a case before God because we don't have to be lawyers before God. All right? It's not like if you prove your case, God's with you. Okay, if not, then whatever. Um, but I also, I don't think it was a sacrifice. I think it's best, some of you have a little note at the bottom of your Bible that says, I will direct my prayer to you. Basically what David is saying is that, Lord, I'm arranging this before you. And I'm expecting that you are going to take care of it. I'm expecting that you're going to take care of it. I'm going to leave it with you. I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to leave it with you, and I'm going to watch. I'm going to expect your favor. Uh, not everybody can expect God's favor. Do you know that? We don't like to hear that truth nowadays. Uh, it's not very popular. It's not like going to win you a big crowd, really. Uh, look down at verse 3. Or sorry, verse 4. Point number two is God's favor rejected. God's favor rejected. Okay? So if we define God's favor as his willingness to act for our good because of who he is, okay, because of who he is, look down at what this says in verse four. For you, and you are not a God who delights in wickedness. That word delight, it's very, very much related to the word favor. You are not a God who grants favor to wickedness. The evil may not dwell with you. They can't say, my God. Okay? Verse 5. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, and you hate all evildoers. These are people that refuse, right? Boastful people, evildoers. They refuse to say, God, you're my king. They refuse it. They say, I, I, I'm boastful. I'm the king around here. I do what I want. Okay? And they say, I don't listen to that guy. I'm going to go do evil if I want to go do evil. And they push away. There's a slight thing that Christians can get into in this, even believers. Um, God's favor is honest because of who he is. That's great because we screw this up. But sometimes we arrogantly ask God to bless what we've made a mess of, right? And we can do that. We can do that, but is it really done in humility? Right? Is it done in a humility that says, God, I have made a mess of things here, and I need your help? Or is it, uh, God, I'm going to continue on my way. If you could clean that up, I'd really appreciate it. You don't get the difference? This is, this is uh, who God is. Uh, it, it matters. Right? He's a God of holiness. The wicked don't stand before him. He does not delight in wickedness. Uh, we, don't like, we don't like this. Look at, look, 
This one is the worst, right? The end of verse 5. Uh, you hate all evildoers. The end of verse 6. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Oh, today, God hates. Oh, don't put that on Facebook, right? Uh, our culture, our culture, whoo. They don't want to think that there's anything that God hates. They want to act like God loves everything equally. He does not. He does not. And I don't say that to rejoice and say, oh, they're going to hell. No, but I say who he is, right? He, he does not delight in wickedness, and he hates. He hates. This is part of who he is. So there's a sense in which the Lord hates sin and those who practice it. Of course, we you know, there's also a sense in which he loves them because he's made provision for their sin. And he's offering his favor. But if it's rejected, the Lord hates. The Lord hates. Ephesians 5, 6, if you guys want a verse to go with this. Ephesians 5, 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, he's just listed a bunch of sins, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God. Wrath and hate, these are not popular words today, but here we are in a psalm, and David says, Lord, you hate this. Right? You hate this. And they, these people are rejecting the favor of God by choosing wickedness. It's in his nature that his favor does not go towards sin. Right? It's, it's who he is. Can't get around it. Do you guys know that all of us were there? Some of you think that God's loved you from the womb, which again, in a sense, is true but you weren't born a Christian. Look at me. This is important, even for older, even everybody. You were not born a Christian. You were born a sinner. Right? You were born a sinner. Uh, we were all in this. Is, this is the deal. Is sometimes we look at that word saying, the Lord hates all evildoers, and we put other people in the category. We go, oh yeah, those people over there, the Lord surely hates them. No, you go, that's where I was born. That's where I was born. For me, that's where I lived until my freshman year in high school. This is not an automatic thing just because you've come to church, even if you've come to church for 60 years. The Lord's favor is based on who He is, not based on what we've done. Okay, sorry, I got ahead of myself there. Look down. We're in, we're, we're, the only way that we're not in this hateful category is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, the Lord has not forced Himself to hate these people. It's because of sin. And the only way is to be cleaned by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look, and David realizes, look down at verse 7. This is God's favor accepted. Point number three, God's favor accepted. So our culture, right, may say, who does this David guy think he is? Talking about the Lord hating people. What a hypocrite. What a bigot. What a fill in the blank, your favorite term nowadays. Look at verse 7. But I through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. How is David entering the house of God? That word steadfast love, it's the word hesed. It, it, it's, translated, it's so hard to translate because it means so much, right? Some people translate it mercy. Some people translate it uh, grace. Some people translate it faithful love, loving kindness. David says, but God, because, basically because of your mercy, I'll come into your house. You all get, how beautiful is that? David says, I'm going to accept, because this is, if God's favor is based on who he is, and God is holy, okay, God is holy, 
but he's also loving. And what does it mean for me to accept that? Does it mean I come before God and say, oh God, I've been good enough. I've been great, actually. I gave a lot this week. I went to church five times. I don't know, whatever. No, it means, if I'm going to accept both those things, it means I'm getting into God's house by his mercy. I'm getting into God's house by his mercy. And if any of us are getting into God's house, it's because of his mercy. Right? So accepting God's favor is not like this meritorious, this big thing where I go, oh, I'm, <laughs> God, look at me. I'm accepting your, I'm not like those evildoers. I'm doing all the good. I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm checking off all the boxes. No, 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 no. Right? Accepting God's favor means you know you need mercy. You know you need mercy. And this is another quote. In the presence of God, men of God have always taken their stand on his mercy. There is no other adequate reason for hope. Besides mercy. If God's not merciful, guess what? We're hosed. <laughs> Put it. Uh, no, there is no hope apart from God's mercy. I think David knew that. Look down at what he says. I will enter your house, at the end of verse 7, I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. The thing about this psalm that I love is uh, sometimes in church, this is very practical, but in church, some of us say we should sing and dance, right? In fact, they would look at me and go, Brandon, you're a little boring right now. Couldn't you spice things up a bit? Let's, let's have some cheering. Hey, it's up to you guys to do the amens, so don't give me, right? Uh, some people would say, can't, can't you make this a little bit better, a little, you know, a little bit more exciting? And some people would say, oh, no. We should be bowing down. We should be on our knees. Right? The beautiful thing about this psalm is you see both. Right? I will enter God's house, but I will bow down. You see, and at the end, he's going to rejoice. Right? So we have confidence and awe. Okay? And we have rejoicing and bowing. Okay, this is not this is the thing that we get to in the church sometimes. We do we do an either or thing with things that are not either or. Okay? There are times there are times to rejoice and scream it from the rooftops, and there are times to fall on your face. Sometimes to fall on your face. There are times to walk before the throne of God uh, with the request and saying, God, this, this, this. And there are other times where you go, Oh, I'm entering the throne room of God. Both. Both. And the more we can put those things together instead of trying to force them to be apart, uh, that leads to true spirituality. How amazing that God would have mercy on us, right? And grace. That I could say, I will enter your house because of the abundance of your steadfast love. That word abundant, overflowing, multitudinous, right? That's a big word. You could just say multitude, Brandon. Okay, right? Uh, just abundant. You guys know what it is abundant? God's mercy is not, is not penny-pinching. God's mercy is not scarce. God's mercy is abundant. And it's for all of us. Um, so, point number three was God's favor accepted. Point number four, God's favor needed. God's favor needed. And I would even put the word daily, right? God's favor daily needed. Look down at verse eight. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. So this is not David saying, okay, God, you've been merciful to me. Uh, I got it from here. I got it from here. Um, thanks for the mercy. I'll come to your house every once in a while. Uh, I'll see you later. We do that sometimes, right? But this is the king of a country, of a nation, saying, O Lord, lead me. 
He had the right to lead whoever he wanted. He had the right to make any law he wanted. He had the right to do what, and he said, oh Lord, lead me. Why? Why? Because he has enemies. Lead in righteousness because I have enemies. You guys have enemies? Hopefully you don't point at anybody in this room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, up there in the third row. <laughs> okay, teenagers, careful of that. Right, careful. Um, uh, enemies. Uh, I've had some enemies the past two years. Some of you guys have known that. Prayed for me a lot. Um, discouragement, health issues, depression even, anxiety, uh, struggles, struggles, fatigue. Um, those are some kinds of enemies, right? Uh, sins, the world, the sin crouching at our door is an enemy. Okay, the world trying to influence us. The world influencing you is not a good thing in the scriptures, right? It's pushing in on you. That's an enemy. That's a, that's a gate to be closed and guarded. And he says, Lord, lead me in your righteousness, in your way, because of my enemies. And what does he even say? Look down. This is great. Uh, the end of that verse. Make your way straight before me. How many of you all are runners, right? How many would you dare say? Some, and nobody wants to raise their hand, right? Okay, I ran cross-country in high school. I jogged cross-country in high school. For those of you that know me, I've told the youth this before. Uh, and I also, then some of you in PE, when the, when, the, when the coach tells you to run a mile, right, on the track, how does that go usually? Anybody? Come on, come on. How, what, what, what do people actually do? Yeah, they walk right? They walk. So this is the deal. Do we think the Christian life is walking the track four times? Okay. The coach doesn't care. It's easy. You just walk. I just got, the coach said I got to run a mile, so I'm just going to walk around. It's going to be a 30-minute mile. Okay. Or is it cross-country? Or is it a marathon? Is it one of those gladiatorial races? Okay. And David says, well, what, before me, it looks, like, it looks like a cross-country race, God. Like, there's hills. Some of, them look, some of them look huge. And he says, God, would you flatten this out? Would you, would you squish those hills? That's what it means, right? Would you make a straight? God, it looks pretty, like this going down. Could you, could you uh, I need your help here every day, because this day seems like a mountain before me. And I could use your help squishing it down. Lead me, O Lord, because of your righteousness. Make straight your way before me. Why else does he need it daily? Look at verse 9. And he's just going to go on. He's just going to explain this. Um, sorry, I've got to fumble through my notes here. I need God's favor every day. And look down at what he says in verse 9. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. And they flatter with their tongues. Basically, this is David saying, they're out to get me. They're out to get me. And it might have been real enemies, right? In his day, it might have been real enemies in his kingdom. They couldn't do open violence. David was too strong at this point, but he knew what they were doing. They were trying to seduce, by the way, high schoolers, and all of you, right? I don't need to talk just to high schoolers. Uh, the world seldom does open violence, right? As Christians in this nation, we are not subject to open violence. Yet, sure, maybe it's coming. Even then, at least we would know what it is. But most of us, we're subject to seduction. We're subject to flattery. We're subject to the world saying, oh, it's not that bad. Come over here. We're subject to, to friends who say, you don't really believe that, do you? And you just 
stay silent. Right? And yet we think we're going to stand when it's open violence. Careful, right? We have enemies right now in our culture, and you guys know that, and I'm not talking politically. Think about your own soul. Right? Of course our nation has spiritual enemies, and God's in charge of that. But uh, what about your own soul? Do you know there's, there's enemies out there for you? Their speech leads to death. It's more like running the gauntlet than a track meet. It's more like running the gauntlet than a track meet. What's that show on nowadays, high schoolers? The Ninja Warrior thingamajigger, or the American Olympic, I don't know where they're jumping on everything. Yeah, American, I don't know what it is, but basically they got to run this crazy course, and there's things trying to knock them off track and all that. If you guys haven't seen it, it's on YouTube, whatever. Um, high schoolers, think more of that. That's what the world looks like to you than it does this uh, nice, fun bed of roses. Look at verse 10. So this is, this is still the fact that I need God. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Basically, he's praying for protection and judgment. Right? One of, look at me. This is hard. Uh, sometimes those prayers are the same, right? So we want to say, Lord, protect me from people, but don't judge them. Okay? Uh, that's like saying to a judge, Protect me from this murderer, but don't put him in prison. It's difficult, right? And God's God, and he's sovereign, and he'll take care of all that. But that's why it sounds this way. Because David says, I need protection. Their guilt, they need, their guilt, they're cast out. They, I need it pushed away from me. He's asking God to do justice. By the way, look at this. Uh, is, this is, God just, is God just judging these people because he felt like it? Because he woke up in a bad mood. And God never woke up, but that's a different thing. Look down at verse 10. Make them bear whose guilt? Their guilt. Let them fall by whose counsels? Their counsels. Because the abundance of whose transgressions? Their transgressions. For who has rebelled against God? They have. They have. He's asking God to do justice. Not, so the, basically what I'm saying here, by the way, is that this is not a personal dispute with David. Okay. God's not looking, David's not looking at God saying, hey God, uh, these people are annoying me. Did you take care of that? No, he's saying, God, these people, their transgressions are against you. They've rebelled against you. Their guilt is before you. And yet, God, they're trying to take me off the path. And so, God, would you deal with this over here? I need you to deal with this. Right? For our personal enemies, Jesus says you should pray, right? Love. Okay. It's a hard tension again. Sometimes we try to separate out those two things, but they're supposed to be together. Last but not least, I gotta finish. Look down at verse 11. This is the last point. God's favor enjoyed. God's favor enjoyed. If we have daily need, then we have daily reason to rejoice, right? Uh, in America, we forget this with food, okay? Right? The, it used to be, uh, I think, a lot more in previous not-so-abundant cultures that they gave thanks for their food because they were actually thankful it was there. Right? Not just thankful it would taste good or thankful it would bless their body, but they were thankful that it was there. <laughs> All right? We forget that. And yet, here's the, that's the illustration of our need of God, though, right? I'm in need of God daily, and so when He provides daily, I rejoice daily. Now, as a youth pastor, this is, some of you know me for a long time, this is a struggle for your youth pastor, right? 
thankfulness and joyfulness and rejoicing don't come all that naturally to me. All right, but the Lord's working on me in that. Look at what he says in verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult. Uh, there was a hurricane in Florida. How do you think the people who had shelter felt? Thankful, rejoicing, okay? Let those who take refuge, let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that they may love, that those who love your name may exult in you. These are gifts. These are gifts from God. God is a rock, a fortress, a strong tower. We have a loving relationship with him. We used to be his enemies, and now he's made us his friends. By the blood of Jesus. The gospel is this, that we were sinners. We are sinners. Okay? And there's nothing we could do to change that. We are guilty before God. God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Right? God in the flesh lived a perfect life died on the cross to take my place, your place, take my punishment, bear my guilt, died, rose again, conquering death, offering eternal life, ascended into heaven where he lives to make intercession for us. Have you believed that? For you, verse 12, for you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor. They're just like, oh, there's finally the word he's preaching on. Right? You cover him with favor as with a shield. That word cover means encompass. Like a diamond. Right? You cover him with your favor as with a shield. Why can I walk through every day knowing I'm protected? Because the God of the universe is favorable to me. <laughs> right? He is willing to do things for my good because of him. You guys get the illustration? I'll just drive this home and then we'll be done. Um, I don't have anything to give back to God. I don't, uh, I can't pay him for it, right? This is when you ask for a favor from someone. You guys get it? Sometimes we do that wrongly, but if it's a true favor, it means you can't pay them back. You can, you're asking because they have and you don't. You're asking because you hope that they're nice. Right? And that, that because of who they are, that they would give you a favor. Okay? Now, in our day, sometimes we try to perform and do all these hoops and stuff. That's not how it is with God. Who he is, he's willing to be favorable to us. So in conclusion, Kevin likes to end with three questions, so I'll end with three questions. One, do we pray expecting God's favor? I guess I could just stop with, do we pray? And then I could say, do we pray expecting God's favor? Two, do we daily know our need for God's favor? And do we rejoice when he gives it? Right? Do you know your need and rejoice when it's provided? And then number three, then most importantly, have you accepted or rejected God's mercy? Have you accepted or rejected God's mercy? Uh, his mercy stands open to everybody in this room because of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. Doesn't matter how bad you're still being. Doesn't matter... Uh, where you think you're, how far you've been away or how long you've been away or anything like that. We have a God who's merciful. And have you accepted it or rejected it? Um, don't think you can earn it. That's not an option. It's accept or reject. And it's offered to you today. And Jesus Christ is willing to forgive all of your sins and be favorable towards you because he's merciful. 
Let me pray for us. We'll be done. God, thanks for this morning. Uh, God, teach me to rejoice, to be thankful. God, you've provided for my needs against my enemies. Um, you have brought deliverance and um, not just from sin and death and wrath, but God, from even the everyday things. Um, God, thank you for that. I pray your protection on your people. Thank you that we can pray that expectantly because you are favorable towards us. You desire to do good for us because you love, because you give, because you hear, because you care. God, thank you for that. I pray for anybody in this room that doesn't know where they're at with you, that doesn't know if they have your mercy. God, that they would seek that out today, that they would find someone to talk to, they would talk with you, that they would come talk with me, that they would do something, God, to accept your mercy. Um, They would just ask you right now, even in their hearts, uh, to be merciful unto them. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for this congregation that listens patiently to your word, even from the youth pastor. Um, God, we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're actually going to take communion this morning, so I'd ask the men to come forward and prepare the table.